This message was preached as pulpit supply by Jared File. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it is beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. If you would, turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. And uh, at uh, Redeemer, where I pastor, we've uh, started a series in the Gospel of Matthew because right now is just the right time to do it. Um, beginning with the, uh, the Christmas story. Um, Matthew began his gospel in kind of a strange place. And we, we think of all the, the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and they all start different ways. Um, you've got Mark that starts out right at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. You've got uh, him... Uh, come, you've got John the Baptist right there at the beginning of Mark and, and Jesus coming to be baptized right at the very beginning. You've got Luke who tells the infancy narratives of, uh, of uh, the, the prediction of John the Baptist being born and, and him uh, being born and the angel coming to Mary and all of those things beginning. And you've got John... John, who looks all the way back to the beginning of time and how the Word was God and the Word was with God and the Word was God and everything that was made was made through Him. And Matthew begins with a genealogy. Seems like a strange place to us to begin one of the Gospels of the New Testament. And yet, it is, uh, it's actually quite fitting. Um, it, it, it's actually quite fitting that it, Matthew is the first of the Gospels in the New Testament. It is quite fitting that we start the New Testament off with a genealogy. A genealogy is intended to connect two stories. Uh, we may be able to think back to the beginning of Genesis. You've got the story of, of uh, Adam and Eve being created in the garden. You have the fall and you have Cain and Abel after that. And that's followed by a genealogy that links Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel all the way up to Noah. And so you see that there's a continuity between them in these stories. In the same way, Matthew begins the Gospel of Matthew with a genealogy to link it to everything that came before it. The, the, the genealogy there is to show us that Jesus, uh, he didn't just pop out of the sky from nowhere. <laughs> the genealogy here is showing us that, that Jesus is the fulfillment of all of the Old Testament. That everything that the Old Testament was pointing forward to was finally here in Jesus. And as we read all of these names in this genealogy, so oftentimes when we come to a genealogy, we just want to skip over that, right? We just want to skip over it, gloss over it, whatever. But when we read this, this genealogy, we want to remember the story that's connected to every single one of these names. Maybe not every single one of them, but the ones that, that pop out, we want to remember the stories. So let's go ahead and read our text, beginning in verse 1. I'm going to read through verse 17. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, and Judah the father of Perez by, and Zerah by Tamar. 
and Perez, the father of Hezron, and Hezron, the father of Ram, and Ram, the father of Aminadab, and Aminadab, the father of Nashon, and Nashon, the father of Salmon, and Salmon, the father of Boaz by Rahab, and Boaz, the uh, the father of Obed by Ruth, and Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of David, the king. And David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah, and Solomon, the father of Rehoboam, and Rehoboam, the father of Abijah, and Abijah, the father of Asaph, and Asaph, the father of Jehoshaphat, and Jehoshaphat, the father of Joram, and Joram, the father of Uzziah, and Uzziah, the father of Jotham, and Jotham, the father of Ahaz, and Ahaz, the father of Hezekiah, and Hezekiah, the father of Manasseh, and Manasseh, the father of Amos, and Amos, the father of Josiah, and Josiah, the father of Jeconiah, and his brothers at the time of the deportation to Babylon. And after the deportation to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shealtiel, and Shealtiel, the father of Zerubbabel, and Zerubbabel, the father of Abihud, and Abihud, the father of Eliakim, and Eliakim, the father of Azor. And Azor, the father of Zadok, and Zadok, the father of Akim, and Akim, the father of Eliud, and Eliud, the father of Eleazar, and Eleazar, the father of Mathon, and Mathon, the father of Jacob, and Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called Christ. So all the generations from Abraham to David were 14 generations, and from David to the deportation to Babylon, 14 generations. And from the deportation to Babylon to the Christ, 14 generations. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Your word is life to us. It is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. It brings us to life. You have caused us to be born again by your word. And Father, we pray, Lord, you would feed us, you would cause us to delight in your word as we look at it this morning. We pray that you might cause us to praise you for how you have kept your promises in your word. Give me strength and grace as I preach your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew gets right to the point in the first verse. He says, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. That's what he's getting at in all of this genealogy. Those two names that he begins with, the son of David and the son of Abraham. Um, that, that That is the big picture here. He's wanting to show that Jesus is the fulfillment of the promises to Abraham and he's the fulfillment of the promise to David. David, back in... Um, Second uh, Samuel chapter seven. You have David. He wants to build a temple for the Lord, and God tells him, "You know, I, I've dwelt in a tent all these years, and if I ask you to build a house for me, God, God tells him, you're not going to build a house for me, but I'm going to build a house for you." And by that, God means he's going to build a dynasty for David, and there will be a, a line of kings that will come after David. God promised David in 2 Samuel 7 that he would have a son who would come from his body, who would be king, and that there would be no end to his kingdom. 
that there would be a son who would sit on his throne forever and ever and ever. And Jesus is the fulfillment of that promise. When it says here, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, we have to also remember, what does it mean whenever Matthew here is saying Jesus is the Christ? Well, the Christ is the Greek translation of the Hebrew word for Messiah. So when we come to this sentence, it says the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. He's saying that Jesus is the Messiah. He is the one that the Old Testament saints looked forward to waiting and expecting the Messiah to come. And as we come to each of these names, let's linger on the stories that we remember from them. Abraham. Abraham was the one who God called out of Ur of the Chaldees and he said, go to a land that I will show you. And Abraham left everything he had. He left his family behind and he went and he dwelled in tents and he never really possessed a land of his own until the end of his life when he bought a grave for his wife. Abraham was the one who God had promised him he would have as many descendants as the sand on the seashore and the stars in the sky. And he waited and he waited and he waited and God did not fulfill that promise until he was 99 years old. We know that God had promised him he would, he would have, uh, uh, that, that through his descendants he would bless all nations. And yet Abraham waited and waited and waited and waited until finally when he was 99 years old, God gave him Isaac. And when Isaac was finally born, God told him, go kill him. And God, Abraham trusted God and he took Isaac up the, hill, up the mountain with the wood. And he believed that he would come back down with the child. They went up the mountain and Abraham was just about to kill his son, his only son, the one whom he loved. And just at about that moment, he saw a lamb and God stopped him. God provided a lamb. We know Isaac, he was the father of Jacob. We can think of Jacob and Esau and Jacob was a trickster, wasn't he? (laughs) Jacob, who tricked his father so that he would get the blessing. Jacob, who robbed his brother of his birthright. And Jacob, who went into a foreign land to go find a wife. And he found Rachel, who he wanted to marry. And he worked for her for seven years, for his, his, her father for seven years Longing to be able to marry Rachel. And when he was finally able to marry her, he woke up in the morning and he was next to Leah. (gasps) Leah, the one whom would be the mother of Judah, the next one in the line. Isaac was the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Judah and his brothers. And we can think of the twelve brothers When we think of the book of Genesis, oftentimes our our tendency after 
after Jacob is to think about Joseph the rest of the story, right? Joseph is who this, most of the rest of the book of Genesis is all about. We see how he went, he was sold into Egypt. And, and he was in prison and then rose to the height of power and how, how God uh, saved Judah and, and all, of the, all of Joseph's brothers by, by uh, uh, allowing them to come during the midst of the famine. We think about Joseph as the one who the story of Genesis climaxes with. And yet there's a second story that's kind of woven in there. We see... At the very end of the book of Genesis, how Jacob blesses all of his sons. And when he comes to Judah, he says, the scepter shall not depart from Judah. Jacob recognized the king was going to come from Judah. The Judah was the one who was carrying this messianic seed. That he was going to be the one who all the others were going to bow down to. And Judah and his brothers. And Judah was the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar. We'll follow the line on down and we come to Jesse was the father of David the king. And we know the story about David. David, we we can think uh, about the story of how he was uh, a great hero and how how, uh, all of the Israelites were afraid of Goliath. Goliath was this champion of the Philistines and no one wanted to go out and fight him, but, God, but David had confidence in God and he went and he picked up those five stones and he whirled them in the air and Goliath went down. We also know other things about David and how, how he ended up committing adultery and how he sinned. God never took away his covenant blessings from David. We see Solomon. Solomon, who was the wisest one who ever lived. Solomon, who gives us the book of Proverbs and and of Ecclesiastes and Song of Solomon, these wisdom books that were written in the Bible. And Solomon was the father of Rehoboam. And oh, that's where things went wrong. (laughs) Because with Rehoboam, even though his father was so wise, he was a fool. Rehoboam was foolish and he didn't listen to the elders and he ended up splitting the kingdom in two. Where you had Israel in the north and Judah in the south and You continue to follow the line of kings down of these descendants of David. And you you see Rehoboam was the father of Abijah, and Abijah the father of Asaph, and Asaph the father of Jehoshaphat. Even though the kingdom had been split in two, you still had a son of David that was on the throne. Jehoshaphat the father of Joram, and Joram the father of Uzziah. And there's a name we can remember. You think of... Isaiah, Uzziah died in the, in the year that Isaiah was called. We see that vision that Isaiah had in the throne room of God. And it happened in the year that King Uzziah died. 
And Uzziah, Isaiah, as he prophesied, he tells us about a king that would come. Actually, a child that would be born of a virgin who would be called Emmanuel. A son would be given who would be called Prince of Peace, Everlasting Father. And he was going to be the one who would sit on David's throne forever. After, after Uzziah, we come to Jotham, and uh, Jotham was the father of Ahaz, and Ahaz was the father of Hezekiah. Hezekiah, we know, was a good king. He was a good king, and yet he came to what looked like was going to be the end of his life, and he prayed, and God gave him more years. Yet during the midst of these more years... He fathered another son who was Manasseh, who ended up being the worst of all the kings. He was the most wicked king of all of the kings of Judah. And Manasseh was the father of Amos, and Amos was the father of Josiah. Maybe you know that story. Josiah was just eight years old when he became king. He was the good little king. He was the king who decided to go ahead and clean up the temple. And as they were cleaning the temple, they found the book of the law. And when they found the book of the law, he commanded that they read it. And the people wept because they realized they had broken God's law. And Josiah was the father of Jeconiah and his brothers at the time of the deportation to Babylon. Oh, the deportation to Babylon. we got to think about what that means. You know, um, God was going to punish His people because they had been wicked. They had sinned against Him. You had many good kings, but you also had many bad kings. And overall, God was going to punish the wickedness of His people. And Nebuchadnezzar came to Jerusalem and he took away all of the, all of the, 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 the sons of David and all of the people even the best of the people into Babylon, into the Babylonian captivity. And from that point, you no longer have a son of David on the throne. And the big question that Isaiah grapples with is how is God going to be faithful to His promise? You have this promise to David. David would have a king that would sit on the throne forever. And you have this line of kings coming all the way down to the Babylonian deportation. And then there's an end. You no longer have a king on the throne. So how is God going to be faithful to His promise? That's why Isaiah says, he talks about how there's a a tree that's cut down. And while this tree is cut down and this tree is burnt, the stump is burned, he says the holy seed is in its stump. That's the line of the Messiah that's going to that's going to endure even whenever the tree is cut down. Verse 12, after the deportation of Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shealtiel. And that's a name that we might be familiar with from the book of Ezra and Nehemiah. And maybe Haggai. See, King Cyrus of the of Persia allowed all the people of Jerusalem, or all the people of um, the, the Israelites, to go back to the land. They were able to rebuild the walls. They were able to rebuild the temple. 
Yet they still didn't have a king sitting on David's throne. But among those who came back, you see Shealtel and Zerubbabel. And then it goes quiet. But you still have this line of the Messiah that keeps on going. We don't read about these names in the Old Testament, but Zerubbabel was the father of Abiud, and Abiud the father of Eliakim, and Eliakim the father of Azor, and Azor the father of Zadok, and Zadok the father of Akim. These names aren't familiar to us. Akim was the father of Eliud, and Eliud the father of Eleazar, and Eleazar the father of Methan, and Methan the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called the Christ. Matthew's overarching goal here is to show us how Jesus was the son of David. He was the rightful heir. This was the royal line. And how he is the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And if you were paying close attention as I was reading off all these names, you probably noticed that I skipped over some names, some really important names. See, as, uh, as somebody would write a genealogy, most of the focus would be on men. And you wouldn't list a woman in the middle of a genealogy, but this one has four. Four women in this genealogy. And if you put a woman in a genealogy, that means this, this person is very important. So let's go back and look at the women. The first one we see, Judah was the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar. Maybe you know the story from Genesis chapter 38. See, Judah had a son who married Tamar, who was a Gentile. That's something we see about this woman, Tamar. She was a Gentile. And before this son was able to have any children, he died. He had done something wicked in the sight of the Lord and he died. Well, in those days, they followed something that was called Leverite marriage. Leverite marriage is such that uh, if a man dies before he's able to raise up any children to carry on this line, then his brother had the duty of marrying his widow so that children could be raised up and continue on this family line. Well, Judah gave the second son to Tamar to marry. And he also did something wicked and he died before he was able to have any children. Judah had a third son and (laughs) one son he gave to Tamar and he died. Two sons he gave to Tamar and he died. He doesn't want to give that third son. He's afraid he's going to die too. So he, he, he withholds the son and then you have this tension. How is the line of Judah going to be carried on if he doesn't marry off his son? So Tamar, she dresses up as a prostitute and tricks Judah into having relations with her. And you see... In the line of Jesus, the Messiah, you have a Gentile woman who who has a sexually immoral relationship with Judah. But it produces the line of the Messiah. 
Let's keep going and look at these other women that are here in the genealogy of Jesus. We see that Perez was the father of Hezron, and Hezron the father of Ram, and Ram the father of Amminadab, and Amminadab the father of Neshon, and Neshon the father of Solomon, Salmon, and Salmon was the father of Boaz by Rahab. Rahab, another name that probably should be familiar to us from the book of Joshua. And as the, the spies went in to spy out Jericho, they came to the home of a woman named Rahab who was a prostitute. She was a Canaanite. And she believed in the God of Israel. And she hid the spies and protected them instead of turning them in. And out of Jericho, she was the only one that was saved. She ends up marrying this descendant of Judah. And they have a son named Boaz, which another name is very familiar to us. Well, Boaz ends up marrying Ruth. A name that also we have a biblical book about. A short little book. But we know about Ruth. Ruth was a Moabitess, another Gentile. Now, the story of Ruth is not one of sexual immorality, but it does have another Leverite marriage where Ruth's husband passes away and Boaz ends up marrying her because he's the kinsman redeemer. But Ruth's genealogy was also very suspect. It was dubious. She's, she was a Moabitess. And if you know where the Moabites came from, you think back to Lot, who was Abraham's nephew, who came with him whenever he left Ur of the Chaldees. And Lot went down to live in Sodom and Gomorrah. And God rescued him out of Sodom and Gomorrah. And they went to the next town. But they were so afraid when they saw what had happened to Sodom and Gomorrah that they ran up into the hills. Him and his daughters, because his wife, remember, she turned into a pillar of salt. And whenever he and his daughters went up into the mountains, his daughters thought, we have no one to carry on the family name. So they got their father drunk. And they lay with him. And one of the children that was produced was Moab. Moab. And Ruth was a Moabitess. The law in Deuteronomy said that no Moabite could come into the, to the house of the Lord for ten generations. And yet, Ruth's own grandson was King David. So you have Gentile women who are dubious in their sexual character. And then you come to this next one. David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah. It doesn't even give Bathsheba's name here. It just says the wife of Uriah, whom we know Uriah was a Hittite, another Gentile. And we know the story there. David was, you know, he should have been out at war with the rest of his men, and yet he stayed back. He was at the palace taking it easy. 
taking a walk around the roof of his palace and he looks down and he sees this woman, Bathsheba, taking a bath. And he says, I want her. And if that's not enough, he tries to cover it up. He ends up murdering Uriah by putting him in the front lines of the battle. So we see here four women in the genealogy of Jesus, Gentiles or thought of as Gentiles, all some kind of, in some way tied to some kind of sexual immorality. And so what should we suspect that Matthew is trying to tell us through this genealogy? One thing I think we see is God uses even our sinful choices to bring about good. That's a tough concept. But you see all of these sinful choices in the genealogy of Jesus, but it still did not stop God's plan from taking place. God works all things together for good for those who were called according to His purpose. All of those sinful choices, still God worked through all of that to bring about the Messiah. And we see that Jesus, He was the Messiah, the one who came to save His people. And they needed saving. His people were a bunch of sinners. And the fact that some of these women were Gentiles also tips us off to remind us that God had promised Abraham that His Son would be a blessing to all nations. From the very beginning, there was a, a, a prediction that the Gentiles would one day be included. And oh, how thankful we are for that. Maybe you've not thought of a genealogy like this as being a kind of a Christmas text. But it is. All of these stories that we think of when we read through the genealogy of Jesus, they remind us of how God was being faithful to His promise. And all of the Old Testament was fulfilled when Jesus was born. Verse, verse 17, So all the generations from Abraham to David were 14 generations, and from David to the deportation of Babylon, 14 generations, and from the deportation of Babylon to the Christ, 14 generations. What's the big deal about 14 generations here? Well, that's a tough one. That is a tough one. The best theory out there that I know of, is the, the fact that the number 14 is what you get when you add the numbers of uh, David's name. You see, the, the letter Dalit, which is the first letter uh, of David's name and the last letter of David's name, is the uh, fourth letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And the letter Vav, which is the uh, middle letter of, Jesus na- of David's name, is the sixth letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So you add four, six, and four. And remember, they didn't have the vowels in the, old, in the Hebrew. And you get 14. And so this pattern of 14, 14, 14 is telling us David, David, David. Showing us Jesus was the son of David. And we come to that next text and 
we see how Joseph was of the house and lineage of David. So as we come to Christmas time, we consider a text like this. We remember God was faithful. He was faithful to his promises through all of those generations. Even whenever it looked really bad and there was no longer a king on David's throne, he was still faithful to his promise. We see Jesus came for sinners. Sinners like those that were in his very line. Sinners like us. Amen. And Jesus came for all people, not just the Jews, but he came for all who would have faith in him, Jew and Gentile alike. Amen. So as we come to Christmas time, we need to have the same faith as the people of Israel, the same faith that looked forward to a coming of the Messiah. We look to Him. We look to Jesus. And we can be saved.